0: Here at Doxoday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. What would change in your life if you knew God? That's the question that we've been exploring these past few weeks in our series, Come As You Are, because that is God's invitation to you To come as you are, not to seek yourself, fix yourself, to find yourself, but to come exactly like you are into his presence. But we want to ask the question, if you took God at his word regarding everything he says about himself and regarding everything he says about you, what would change in your life? Now, this week, we want to ask that question in in this sense. If I take God at his word regarding everything he says about himself and me, what would my life look like? Or in other words, what is the life that God has in mind for me? Or even better yet, let's ask this question. What is the good life? The good life, that's what we want to talk about. You see, the world defines the good life in terms of money, power, success, possessions, all those kinds of things. But what would the good life or the new life look like that God is inviting you to if you were to know Him? Now, maybe that sounds strange to you. Maybe the whole idea of God and having a new or even a good life, maybe those two concepts don't add up to you. You might be new to church, you might be new to the Christian faith even. And for many of us, we grow up with this idea that church, Christianity, and God Himself is this very far off, very strict, very serious, very somber kind of business, that the whole notion of a God who loves me and a God who actually desires a good life for me, they don't always, add up. But the reality is the good news for you and me today is that there is a good life that God has in mind for you. There's a great life that God has been dreaming of ever since the moment he started thinking about you at creation. And we find those clues in Genesis 1 at the very beginning. Let's read it together from Genesis one From verse 27 to 28, it reads like this. So God created human beings in his own image. This is a very famous verse, but this is the crucial starting point for us. It goes on to say, in the image of God, he created them, male and female. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. You see, the very beginning of humanity as described in Genesis 1 gives us two clear indications as to the good life that God had in mind for you and me at the very start. And it's this, the good life means I bear his image and I rule, I reign and I govern. The very first thing that defined Adam and Eve in the garden was not the work that they were supposed to do in cultivating the garden. No, the very first thing that defined their lives was the fact that they resembled God himself, the maker, the creator of the universe. They bore his image. Friends, can you hear and sense the incredible statement of value that that makes over our lives. If you've ever stood in awe at the beauty or the majesty of the ocean or mountains or stars in the sky or just a beautiful art piece or whatever the case may be, if you've ever stood in awe at something created around you, Genesis 1 is making a statement saying it doesn't even come close to describing the worth and the value placed over my life and your life. The very first thing that defined a good life for Adam and Eve in the garden was this, that they resembled their Father. They resembled the God who made them. They bore His image. They looked like Him. Now that begs the question then, you know who who is God? If I bear His image, if I look like Him, if I resemble Him, what does that mean about God? But we can see from Genesis 1 that firstly, God is relational because He's saying, let's make man in our image. He's speaking about Himself, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God in His essence, He is relational. And in saying that we are to bear that same image, God is making a statement over you and me, friend. He's busy saying you ought to be in relationship with me. That's the good life that I have in mind for you. But that's not sometimes or often. That's not the gospel that we grow up with, right? I don't know about you, but sometimes we grow up in kind of religious settings. And we grow up with this notion that God is so very far away and so very distant and so very holy that I am but a worm in His presence. And I better not feel too good about myself because God will sort me out if I do. But can you see, from the very beginning, God had in mind that we would be like Him. We would bear His image. We would bear his nature. The second clue that Genesis 1 gives us is that we are to rule and govern. So we are to look like him, resemble him in nature, be close to him relationally, but he also gives us Purpose. The first thing that defines Adam and Eve is their relationship unto their father, the image that they have been made in. But the second clue regarding the good life, the new life that God had created in that moment was the fact that he gave them purpose. He asked them, he gave them this mandate, cultivate the garden, rule it, govern it, fill the earth, multiply, go crazy. I'm giving you a purpose on earth. Verse 28 says God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and govern it. I'm going to pause here for just a moment because this is such an important truth for us to to realize and understand and to take to heart. Because you see, friends, this is busy saying that even in the ideal state of creation, even before sin ever even entered the world, even before things literally went to hell, God had this in mind that we would look like Him, bear His image, live in relationship with Him, and that we would work alongside Him. Isn't that wonderful? In the ideal state of creation, God had that in mind, that we would look like Him, and work alongside him. What does that mean, to work alongside him? That means to steward what he has given us and to release his presence, his grace, his mercy, his love into the world around us. That's not something that Jesus only came up with in the New Testament, no. In the ideal state of creation, before everything went wrong, when sin entered the world, God gave us these two clues regarding the good life that he has in mind for us. And it was this, my son, my daughter, you are to look like me and you are to work alongside me. That is an incredible truth for us today. But the problem is we often grow up with a kind of a waiting gospel. Now, what do I mean by that? The waiting gospel is the gospel where I wait, I know that's really deep, but the waiting gospel is the gospel where I sit and wait. We sit and wait for Jesus to just hopefully one day finally relieve us of this awful place called earth. And we sit around and we wait for him to come and make things right. So we enter this space that whenever I see corruption or evil taking place or just bad things in general, when I see pain out there in society, I sit back and I wait. And my response is one of, well, things are going to get much worse and then Jesus is going to come back and he's going to sort everything out. Now to an extent that is true because one day Jesus will come back and he will rectify everything that is not in line with his purpose on earth. But the problem with that kind of thinking regarding our purpose on earth is it kind of forces Christians into this surviving the world mentality, which is again the waiting gospel. We, we kind of assume this posture of, I just need to survive this planet. I just need to survive all the bad things happening, that we kind of go into a don't look, don't touch, don't see, don't smell kind of Christian mentality. But again, that's not the life that Genesis 1 reveals. Genesis 1 reveals, my son, my daughter, I made you to look like me, to live in relationship with me, and to work alongside me to cultivate, to rule, to reign, to govern, to release my presence into the space that you find yourself in. That is the good life that He had in mind for you and me. And if you find yourself to be a a waiting Christian, a surviving the world Christian, friend, then you are missing out on so much of the gospel. You are missing out on a huge chunk of the good life that God has in mind for you. Because you see, sin completely broke that original image of ours, right? The moment Adam and Eve disobeyed God, which we would have also done, by the way, if we were in that moment, but the moment they disobeyed their father, Those two things that that define them, their image and their purpose, it was shattered because then they entered into a space in which we were all born into, where sin defined us, brokenness defined us, pain defined us, separation defined us. In fact, Romans 1 Verse 25, it describes how people uh, started choosing to worship created things instead of the creator of things. How they allowed themselves to be defined by sex, popularity, money, possessions, power, all those kinds of things, instead of relying on the creator of those things to define them. But this is where the good news of Jesus comes in. Hallelujah for good news. Jesus' life, His death, His resurrection, and His ascension restored us. It brought us back in line with that original good life plan that God had in mind for you and me. And Romans 6 teaches us the way Jesus went about that restoration process. Let's read that together. This is Romans 6 from verse 5. It says, For we have been united with him in a death like his, therefore we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That's a really cool statement. Sin is done away with in your life. It goes on to say that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. This passage teaches a profound truth for you and me if you know and love Jesus. This passage teaches us that sin no longer defines me, Christ defines me. Friend, the way that you look at yourself in terms of your worth and your value and the way you look at yourself in terms of your purpose on earth, the reason why you are here. It could either be from a sin paradigm, as in I am but a worm, I am useless, I am worthless. Even if I know God or not, it doesn't even matter because I stay a worm. So I'm either a worm that doesn't know God and he's gonna squash me one day, or I'm either a worm that does know God and I just need to try and be obedient until He one day comes back finally to set things right. You either view yourself, your image, your worth and your purpose from a sin paradigm or a Jesus or a grace paradigm where Christ defines me, His opinion defines me, His love defines me, His grace defines me. And that's the invitation for you and me to come as you are and to enter the good life That God originally in Genesis 1 dreamt for you and me. That it would be a life where my success doesn't define me, but Christ defines me. My possessions don't define me, Christ defines me. My relational success doesn't define me, instead Christ defines me. So not only Is our image, that first clue in Genesis 1, not only is that image completely restored through the life and the work of Jesus, but our purpose is also restored. The reason why we are here, it is also brought back into line with God's original plan in Genesis 1. Jesus tells a parable in Matthew 13. I'm going to read it for you, but it says he spoke from verse 31. He told them a parable. That's like a story. Jesus often spoke in stories to illustrate something. But he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, when it grows, it's the largest of all plants and it becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them another parable, another story, to illustrate something regarding our purpose on earth. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. You see, we often settle halfway when it comes to salvation. We love the fact that because of Jesus, our identity is restored. Our worth is restored. Our value is restored. But we often forget that in Genesis 1, they had value and identity and purpose. But we settle halfway. We settle for being restored in my value, worth, and identity. But we don't take up the purpose with regard to the good life that God has in mind for me. You see, an important part of Jesus' work an important part of this invitation for you to come is not only that you would be restored in your identity, but that you would be restored in your purpose, that you would release God's kingdom and his presence like a mustard seed, like yeast that is worked through a batch of dough. Now, what keeps us? from ruling or reigning. That might be a foreign thought for you, because maybe you've been thinking that as long as I know Jesus, I just need to kind of, you know, survive and then just make it to heaven one day. Maybe this idea of cultivating your own garden around you, in a sense, or ruling in a space or governing or reigning, maybe that's strange to you. But again, remember the blueprint in Genesis 1 was that we would know God and work alongside Him. What keeps us from working alongside God in something like that? Well, it's fear, is it not? Fear keeps us passive. Fear keeps us away from engaging with society in such a way that I actually end up releasing God's presence. Fear keeps me in that that waiting gospel, that I just need to survive the world gospel. Fear keeps me in the don't look, don't see, don't touch, don't smell kind of sense where I just end up waiting for Jesus to hopefully come back one day. But you see, if you don't yet fully realize your purpose on earth, maybe it's because you don't fully grasp your identity yet. Let's go back to Genesis one. Remember, God made Adam and Eve. He designed humanity to what? Look like him, be in relationship with him, and work alongside him, govern, rule, reign. So if you find that purpose part of your discipleship or your faith journey difficult with God, maybe it's because you've forgotten who you are. You see, sons and daughters of a king, they don't live like slaves. They don't live like slaves. kind of embrace fully that authority, that mandate of my dad is a king, he carries authority and I will do the same. I want to end off by just taking a moment to pray for you because I think you could either be in in one of two spaces at the moment and the first space that you might find yourself is this. Maybe you have yet to realize the worth, the value, and the image that has been spoken over your life from the very beginning, from Genesis 1, from the moment that God designed you and said, my son, my daughter, you are to look like me. You are to live close to me. Maybe you've never reached that point where you've realized, God, I've been Allowing other things to define me. I've been looking for that identity in other places. That's the first group that I want to pray for. But the second group is this. Maybe you've been sitting and waiting. You've been waiting for Jesus to come back. (laughs) You've been disengaging with the world because the world is so very evil, so very bad, and I am now holy because I know Jesus, and I just need to separate myself from the world lest they taint me as well. Maybe you've kind of forgotten the purpose that God has for your life, that purpose of picking up a shovel, working in the garden, cultivating the space around you that God has given you. Why? because that's the good life that he had in mind for you. Remember, the good life was the fact that you would know him and work alongside him. So maybe you know God, but you've forgotten that he's actually inviting you into this adventure of working alongside him, cultivating a space, ruling, reigning, governing, so that his presence might be released wherever you find yourself. If you're in one of those two groups, I want to take a moment to pray with you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that from the very beginning, you dreamt that we would live a new life, a good life by your standards, by your definition, Father. And I want to pray, Jesus, for anyone watching at this moment, and they have yet to to taste and discover the good life that you have for them in terms of who they are in you in terms of their identity, in terms of the image that they have been made in. Father, won't you, by your Holy Spirit, just come and minister to them in this moment. But Father, we also pray for those that have yet to pick up a shovel, yet to start cultivating the garden, yet to start working out that purpose that you have for them. Father, by your Holy Spirit, come and give us the grace to enter into that next step, that boldness of taking up the purpose that you have designed for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, I want you to remember, God does have a good life in mind for you, but it's not a good life in terms of what you have or what you don't have. It's a good life in terms of who you are in Him, bearing his image as a son or a daughter and a good life in terms of your purpose, working alongside God in the garden of this world. Bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.